Now, Galatians um, chapter 2, and um, Margaret is going to come and um, read it to us. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, if you pop your hand up, we can, we can pass one on to you. And if you don't own a Bible and you would like the one that gets given to you, feel free to take it home. Um, I'll give to you. Um, over to Margaret and after Margaret's um, read Sam's going to come up and preach thank you Galatians 2 starting at verse 11 when Cephas came to Antioch I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for before certain men came from James he used to eat with the Gentiles but when they arrived He began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Uh, thanks, Margaret. Uh, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. My name's Sam. If you don't know me, one of the uh, pastors here. Uh, you may know that I'm about halfway through uh, a four-week trial. Not, I'm not on trial. Don't worry. I, I'm on jury duty. Uh, and I, it struck me that justice is a very serious business. Uh, to be found guilty or innocent uh, will change a person's life. Uh, and until perhaps you sit on a jury... Uh, for a serious crime. We're somewhat sheltered from the seriousness of it all. I wonder if perhaps uh, we've also underestimated the seriousness of God's justice too. Uh, Well, we're looking at that a bit today, so let me pray as we get into this passage. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are a God of sovereignty and righteousness. You are holy. You are just. May we remember that today as we look at this passage 
May we be reminded of your gospel, the truth that saves. And may we live lives that honour and glorify you in response. And if we don't know you today, please open our hearts to hear and respond to your word by your spirit, we pray. Amen. Uh, Well, Paul, the author of this uh, book of Galatians, is writing to the Galatian church uh, to rebuke them for undermining the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That's what gospel means, uh, good news. Uh, He's reminded them so far that it is God's good work to save by grace. It's a gift. God is calling people his people, to himself, to glorify himself, not because of any special work that that person has done, or not because they are special in any sort of nature or way, but just to glorify God. It's his work. He's reminded them uh, that uh, Paul, he is a true apostle. He's been anointed by Jesus himself. He has delivered this gospel to them. And he's reminded them that the other apostles who walked with Jesus have confirmed this truth, this gospel that he brings. So don't, he says so far, don't be swayed away by dangerous or twisted or false gospels. Uh, the, the particular issue that he's addressing in uh, this book is that they are being told, the Gentiles are being told, the non-Jewish believers, that they need to follow some of the ceremonial law that the Jews followed, uh, in this particular case, to be circumcised. Otherwise, if you're not circumcised, you're not a true believer. Now, if you like, it is a gospel plus something else message. Believe in Jesus as saviour, but also do a few actions or a few things or deeds if you truly want to be saved. So that's our first point today. Gospel plus something is no gospel at all. Any gospel plus undermines the gospel entirely, for it is no longer by the work and grace of God that we are saved, but also by our works or actions. It's utter foolishness, he says. I just flick back to Galatians 1, verse 6 and 7. It's probably on the same page in your Bibles. Uh, Galatians 1, 6 and 7, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And then this week, Paul continues his argument for the one true gospel by recalling one of the most tense events recorded in the New Testament after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Uh, The scene this time, there's a map uh, coming up behind me. The scene this time is Antioch. Uh, Unlike the previous passage where Paul was visiting the apostles in Jerusalem in a Jewish area, this time some of the apostles are travelling to uh, Antioch, which is Gentile territory, non-Jewish territory. And you can see on the map behind me, uh, where is Antioch? It's in Syria. Over here. can I? No, I can't. You can, you can work it out. Uh, it's just at the top of uh, Syria on the left by the coast where all those arrows go. It's like the gateway city between the Jewish uh, areas and the Gentile world. It's a significant place. And we read in verse 11, our first verse today, When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. 
Uh, Cephas is the Aramaic translation of Peter in Greek. So Paul is speaking about the apostle Peter. It's not just some nobody. This is the apostle Peter. Here are two great apostles, Peter and Paul, uh, confronting each other publicly over the gospel. It's an extraordinary situation. Uh, Well, what's the issue? Verse 12, we're told. Before certain men came from James, another apostle, he, that's Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he drew back, sorry, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Uh, Peter had spent some time in Antioch and he would eat, as Paul did, with the Gentiles, uh, showing fellowship, showing love for one another, presumably to share the gospel of Christ with those that didn't believe and to show his love and union with those who did believe. Uh, So far, so good. The the gospel has equalised all nations and races and cultures. God's people are now those in the New Testament after the death and resurrection of Jesus are those who repent and believe in the Lord Jesus and are saved by grace rather than those who are of Jewish descent who live according to the law of God. A Jew, before understanding the gospel, would never eat with a Gentile. Uh, They wouldn't be here eating with any of us if we're not Jews. Uh, because we're sinners, we're unclean, we're ignorant of God's loving ways. But Peter knows the gospel. So he's eating and fellowshipping with the Gentiles. In fact, Peter has already thought about this very issue previously when he was in Jerusalem, uh, what we call the Council of Jerusalem, uh, when they discussed as apostles what the Gentiles should do with the ceremonial law of the Jews. Uh, So on the screen is Acts 15. This is an earlier occasion uh, that uh, you'll see Peter was involved in. Uh, Verse 7, picking it up. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. He addressed the council. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles should hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them, the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear, speaking of the law of God? No, We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. So now Peter arrives in Antioch, and he is loving and fellowshipping with all the people, so that they may hear and believe the gospel of grace in Christ alone, for we are all at the same before God through Christ. So far, so very good. But we read, certain men came from James, And Peter drew back and he separated himself from the Gentiles. Uh, That phrase, certain men, uh, probably implies uh, Paul doesn't really believe them. They're they're sort of up to no good, you know, certain men. Uh, 
he's, he's probably just calling them liars. Certain men from James. James is another apostle who also knows the gospel. So it's unlikely James has sent them on this mission to divide the church in Antioch. But they have arrived, and these are impressive people. They are religious, they're pious, they're holy, they're living to the high standards of the ceremonial law of the Jews. That Peter had been raised to know and to love, that's what he once was. And the peer pressure of those impressive-sounding and looking men was just too much for him. He didn't want to look bad in front of these impressive men and so he drew back and he eventually separated himself entirely verse 13 the other jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy even barnabas a close friend of paul's was led astray Uh, it's hypocrisy of course because they believe the gospel of grace but are now reverting back in practice to adding on to what we need Uh, from the gospel we need a bit more we need a bit of the law Uh, they're implying by their actions that you need the gospel plus circumcision and that is no gospel at all verse 14 when i saw that they were acting in line not acting in line with the truth of the gospel i said to cephas in front of them all you are a jew yet You live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, referring to how he used to eat and drink with the the Gentiles. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? It's hypocrisy. Uh, Now, Paul, we know, had great respect for the apostles. But as uh, Spurgeon uh, puts it, dear is Peter, but dearer still is the truth. Dear is Peter, but dearer still is the truth. It's a lesson for all of us, isn't it? That however much we love a certain preacher or author or or fellow Christian, we must never allow them to lead us away from the truth of God's word, from the bare facts of the gospel. Those things, the gospel is to be protected above anyone's reputation. And that's what Paul is doing here. And so Paul reminds us all again of the gospel, verse 15 and 16. We, who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by, works, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. There's no gospel plus. So our second point, justification is by faith alone in Christ alone. A justification by faith alone in Christ alone is an essential doctrine of the Christian faith. And this is one of the clearest verses in the Bible about it. You can't live perfectly before God, he says. You will be found guilty before God when the evidence of your life is presented and heard before God and set up against God's holy laws. You'll be found guilty. 
Uh, the Old Testament, it, it's like a mirror held up against our actions and thoughts. Uh, that precious and holy and righteous and glorious law that God sets up for his people reflects back to us our deep depravity and, and our sinfulness before God. Uh, shall we look into that mirror together uh, just to make the point? Uh, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> As I put the mirror up on the screen behind me, this is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, God's people, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Anyone? Anyone loves the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, at all times, in every way? Uh, the mirror of God's wonderful law, revealing his holiness, reflects the darkness of our sin and rebellion against God that is truly in our hearts. We're dead in our sin, Paul says elsewhere. I tell your colleagues, tell your hairdresser, tell your friends at school, tell the lost, no one is good enough for God, not even one. The glory and the law of God shows us that if we dare to look at it, that we are sinful and dead before God. And perhaps our job as Christians is to hold up this mirror before those we know and love to show them that there's no hope earning your way to salvation. So that then maybe we're in a position to discover the hope of the gospel. As verse 16 puts it, then and only then do we put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works. A justified means literally to be declared innocent by a judge. And you and me and your Uncle Donald and your cousin Demelza, your colleague Joe, all need to be justified through faith in Christ alone. No amount of being a good person will come close to justifying us before God. No wonder Jesus calls the gospel the gospel, good news. It's the only place where dead, guilty, sentenced to eternal punishment before God, Jew or Gentile, it's the only place we will now be declared justified, declared innocent, freely, through faith in Christ alone. That is good news. And how does it work? Well, Jesus is the only one, the only man who ever lived who would have been found not guilty in his life. He lived the life that none of us could live. He truly loved God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength. 
And yet he chose to take our judgment and punishment upon himself on the cross. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says this, God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God, justified. And it's a free gift, which we accept through faith in Christ Jesus alone. As if our dead mortal bodies could raise ourselves to new life by some special work of our own. As if we could claim that we're justified in Jesus, but then think we need to add a few more works just to make it okay, just to top up our salvation, just to confirm. Gospel plus is to make a mockery of Jesus' atonement, his paying of our price for sin and our judgment before God. Gospel plus anything is to say that Jesus wasn't enough and therefore Jesus' death is nothing to us. It's exactly what Paul says in verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. This is why he's so frustrated with the hypocrisy of Peter and why he's so frustrated with the Galatians. It's why we should stand today so vehemently against any additions to the gospel for justification. It's why the Reformation took place, because the Catholic Church proclaimed the gospel plus message. Well, you need Jesus, but just some indulgences as well for a price. Or or perhaps some money to spring a loved loved soul from purgatory. Plus a weekly partaking in the Lord's Supper where Christ is believed to be very present in his real flesh. In other words, the first death and resurrection of Christ wasn't quite enough. We need to keep doing something afterwards. Or, or it's the liberal church that says, well, Jesus is good and all, yeah, but you know, there's other ways to God. Or the prosperity gospel churches that say, Jesus is very great, uh, but you'll need to spend a bit of money if you want to be truly saved. No, we are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. You can add nothing to your salvation by any other means. Don't even try it, says Paul. What does that all mean? Uh, Paul anticipates. Uh, Some are going to object to this, verse 17. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not, he says. But, say some of the Jewish circumcision group, how can we be justified and then you say we can go and love and fellowship amongst the sinners? We'll be made unclean again. We must save ourselves by keeping ourselves away from such things. Uh, People object similarly today, don't they? God justifies bad people and and forgives all of our sin. What's the point in being good? Can't we just do as we like and live as we please? A third point, can we go on sinning? Absolutely not says Paul. Why not? Verse 18, if I rebuild what I destroy, then I really would be a lawbreaker. 
For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. In other words, he says, you're you're still thinking about sin and the law as a thing you must do for your salvation. If that's the case, then uh, yes, avoid anyone who is a sinner. Because if it's based on you and your achievements and who you hang out with, then we're all a bit stuffed. But justification by faith removes our sin and frees us from that judgment so that we can live in Christ for God. It does not make light of sin, it frees us from its curse. And so if we go on sinning, it's like we're rebuilding the walls between us and, and God. Uh, Spurgeon puts it like this, On the contrary, justification creates in us such a love for God that we loathe the very idea of offending him. For the tendency of the gospel of grace is to excite gratitude in those who receive it. If I'm freely pardoned, he says, then I must love him who has thus generously forgiven me. Gratitude is the root of true virtue and the mainspring of all holiness. Uh, The gospel removes our own efforts and work, which is fortunate because all all of our actions and works before God are like filthy rags, he says in Isaiah 64.6. And it frees us now to, be, to truly live for God, not for sin. Uh, it's a simple point, really, but it's ignored by many today, perhaps even some here. You cannot save yourself. But if you have truly received justification by faith in Christ alone, then the fruit of that will be evident. You will want to live for God now. Because you've died to your own old self and Christ now lives in you. We will want to please him, to rejoice in his work and character, to serve him in love and grateful thanks, to live in joy of all that is to come in eternity. Now we are justified. How can it be any other way? Because Christ lives in us through grace. So the so-called Christian with no desire to live for God, and who does not mourn and repent of our ongoing sins, simply cannot have the person of Christ living in them. Followers of Jesus must be able to say, as Paul does in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our death sentence paid. It has no claim on us now. We have died to our old self. And now we receive free justification through faith in Christ alone. And we now live, still in the body, he says, but now by faith in Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. Don't seek to impress God, is his point, with with our holiness. Uh, 
keeping away from the sinners like Paul did. You don't earn your salvation through perceived religious activities. Rather, as Peter should and Jesus did, go and eat with the sinners. Do not sin as they do, but they are just like us. They need the gospel of grace. They are dead in their sins, and unless they hear the gospel of faith that we can bring to them, they too will not be justified. As Christ Jesus ate with the tax collectors and the sinners of his day, we too can befriend and engage and love even our enemies, for we too were enemies with God. But by his gospel, the gospel they need to hear from us, we have been justified. And now justified in Christ, we are dead to our old filthy rags of a life and live in God's sight as God, uh, sorry, as Jesus lived, justified and innocent. And now Christ himself lives in us by his spirit. He awakens us to gratitude and joy and love for our saviour evidenced by our fruit of evangelism and and obedience and general living for God and of course a humble and repentant heart when we daily fall short of his plans for our lives. If we have no desire to live for God then perhaps we're trying to earn our own salvation. We'll repent and invite Jesus into your heart for justification and if like me you feel convicted of our sinfulness and our failures for life but we desire to live for God well that is Christ living in us even when we get it wrong because we're not saved by getting it right but he's calling us again to humble repentance so that we can come afresh to the wellspring of living water as he lives in us, to cleanse us and renew us again, to joyful service of him, trusting in Christ alone for our salvation. Let me pray as we close. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you that it is through faith in Christ alone that we are justified, declared innocent before you. Forgive us when we've tried any other ways to save ourselves. Bring us back in humble repentance before the Lord Jesus, trusting in him alone for our righteousness. And may we respond as Christ lives in our heart by his spirit. May we respond by sinning by no means, absolutely not. May we live for you. May we share this gospel with those around who also need this grace. May we live to glorify and honour you, for you have freed us freely. May we bring you glory in all things. And as daily we come back to you in humble repentance, we are reminded of your gospel that saves. 
so that we are renewed again by the springs of living water from our hearts by your spirit so that we may live and serve for you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.